I want to read to you um, past couple of Sundays, last Sunday and this Sunday, uh, just kind of come from my personal reading. I've been going through the book of Matthew, and so um, there, there is some sort of rhyme and reason to it, but uh, I'm not always drawing a clear path for everybody else to understand why. But um, this is uh, today just looking at uh, Matthew 15, verses 1 through 20. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father and mother, Whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God. He is not to honor his father with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean. But what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, explain this parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what makes a man unclean, but eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. Well, Jesus gets asked this accusing question about why why he and his disciples don't keep some obscure tradition uh, of traditions made up by the Pharisees. And Jesus comes back with his own very pointed question. And he says, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? And Jesus doesn't keep it general there. He, he gets, brings up a specific example of how they ignore the command of God to honor their parents. And instead of uh, give their gifts of honor to God, well, what Jesus was pointing out was how their tradition was really infatuation with themselves. Listen to Jesus' words from the Sermon on the Mount, which warns us not to be like the Pharisees. He says this, Be especially careful when you're trying to be good, so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but God who made you won't be applauding. When you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. You've seen them in the action, I'm sure. Play actors, I call them. Treating prayer meeting and street corner alike as stage Acting compassionate as long as someone is watching. Playing to the crowds. They get applause, true, but that's all they'll get. When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks. Just do it 
quietly and unobtrusively. That is the way your God who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. You see, it's really hard to love God when you're infatuated with yourself. Jesus was calling it like it was. The Pharisees wanted to love God, but they were failing miserably at it because they loved themselves more. Jesus and the Scriptures describe the command of God. I found that that's kind of interesting the way Jesus says that. There's, it's not commands. It's not plural. He says the command of God. What was He saying? Well, Jesus and the Scriptures describe the command of God as the summation of all God's commands, plural, which is believe Jesus and love one another. That's the summation. And we are told that we are just full of it, that we are liars if we say we love God, yet don't love the people around us. In fact, the way for us to get closer to God is to love the people around us. That's what 1 John 4.12 says. If you want to get close to God, love the people around you. So, here's what it looks like. God says, if you love me, love the people around you. And then the result is, you'll get closer to me. That's what God says. But the Pharisees, they, they hear the same command. They hear, okay, love God. If you want, if you want to love God then love the people around you. But instead, the Pharisees do this middle step and, and they, they love themselves. They get infatuated with themselves. And the result is not being closer to God. Instead, the result is being far from God. And, and that's the difference. If you want to love God, love the people around you and you'll get closer to God. But don't do what the Pharisees did. Instead of loving God, they ended up loving themselves more, and the result was being far from God. We don't want that. You know, later after the resurrection, Jesus was talking to several churches. He had a specific message. And one of those churches, Jesus speaks, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. And my question is, if, that, if he was speaking to a church, how did Jesus get on the outside? How come he's on the outside knocking on the door? Isn't he supposed to be in the inside, in the center of it all? Jesus, an outsider, because the church is infatuated with itself, just like the Pharisees once were. I guess history likes to repeat itself when we keep ignorant of what God really wants. You know, today, people are looking for something real. And most people in our country have highly sensitive crap detectors. They do. And when people have been pointing their crap detectors at the church in America, the alarms go off. They're detecting falseness like Jesus did. 
people who are keeping up appearances, habits, traditions that look like God is in the center of it, but really their hearts are far from God because their love is not for the people around them or for God, but their love is just for themselves. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You know, because of this falseness that's been going on, the American church has lost nearly two generations of people. Between 60 and 80% of the, the Xers or Busters, those who were born right after the Boomers, and then the Millennials who are 16 to 29 years old right now, they've been leaving the faith. 60 to 80% of them leaving the faith. Historians are now starting to call it the great departure. They call these people who have left church, they call them they, in, in three different categories, they call them nomads, prodigals, and exiles. In the, in the great departure, the nomads are those who walk away from church engagement but still consider themselves Christians. Prodigals are those who lose their faith and describe themselves as no longer Christians. They don't want anything to do with it. And then the exiles are those who are still invested in their faith in some way, but they feel stuck or lost between the culture and the church, and they're not sure how to get unstuck. And here's what all three of those groups say their perception of the church in America is. They say that the church in America is overprotective, sheltering, or sheltered. They say the church in America is shallow and hypocritical. They say the church in America is anti-science. They say the church in America is repressive and anti-homosexual. They say that the church in America is exclusive and judgmental. And they say that the church in America is doubtless, meaning it doesn't look like we're so confident in, in what's in here, it doesn't look like we ever grapple with any of the hard issues and the hard things that God says. We seem doubtless. But you know, the majority of those seeing themselves as outsiders of the church looking in, the summation of their bad impression of the church is it's not a bad impression so much about the church's theology. It's really about the church's swagger. That's where the bad impression comes from. It's how the American church goes about things and the sense of self-importance that church people project. Oversized opinions and oversized egos. And so you can hear the voice of these generations who've walked away from the church in the sound of our musicians and our poets and our artists today. Listen to these, these lyrics of a song. I feel our world's been infected and somehow you left me neglected. We found our lives been changed. You lost me. What's funny is you kind of wonder if Jesus is saying the same thing. If he's on the outside 
knocking, neglected, you lost me. So what does it matter that outsiders, what outsiders think about the church? What does that matter to us? Because Jesus is standing outside with them, identifying himself with the outsider, knocking on the door. He's also saying, you lost me. He cares about outsiders, so we should too. And I'm so glad, and I'm so glad that I'm part of a group of people who have said that as a church, we exist for those who don't yet belong. That we are here to help outsiders become insiders. If you are new to Highland, I want you to know that this is a group of people wanting to give full devotion to Jesus, our allegiance to Him. And we don't want to be led by what is perceived as, as Christianity in America, uh, that, it's, that it's not what it's meant to be. We, don't wanna, we want to lead, not be led by the American culture, not be led by church culture. We want to be led by Jesus Christ. That's what we want. That means something to a city that perceives Christianity in America, in American society, is, is not what it's meant to be or not what it should be. You know, we agree with the outsiders and we desire authenticity in our core. And we are looking to the originator of our faith, Jesus, as, as, as the one we follow. We are people who have also felt the sting of rejection. I'm sure every one of you could tell a story of one point in your life when you felt the sting of rejection. And we haven't forgot what it's like to be an outsider. We haven't forgotten what it's like to be without Christ. And we extend the friendship of Christ as freely as it was given to us once. In a culture that craves uh, this whole relational connectedness of the tribe, it's, it, but despises the whole cookie-cutter shaping, we offer something here. We have loyalty to Christ and to each other that is really very fierce. But we also protect each other's freedom and honor one another's individuality as God has gifted each one of us differently to fulfill his greater purposes for his kingdom. It's not, it's not that we have all the answers here. In fact, many of us still struggle with the questions it's just that with the little that we do know of Jesus, we've found a firm place to stand in the midst of life's storms. I think as a church, we really are trying to keep the main thing the main thing, loving God and loving people. We are a group of misfits, sinners, ragamuffins, some of us even probably scoundrels, but the love of Jesus Christ is changing us. We are getting the focus off ourselves and rejecting that whole Pharisee self-infatuation that drives us far from God to putting our focus on God and others 
which draws us closer to him. You guys know the story of the Velveteen Rabbit? You ever heard that? It's about a rabbit that desires a little stuffed rabbit in a nursery that wants to become real. And in a second title of the book, it's, it's also called How Toys Become Real. And there's, there's a part of the story where the Velveteen Rabbit is in the nursery surrounded by all these mechanical toys and wind up that have moving parts and make noises. And he's in this nursery and he's talking with the old skin horse. And the Velveteen Rabbit asks, what is real? Asked the rabbit one day. Does it mean having things buzz inside of you and a stick-out handle? Real isn't how you are made, said the skin horse. It's the thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. Does it hurt? Asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you are real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up, he asked, or bit by bit? It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't often happen to people who break easily or have sharp edges or have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off. And your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. Sounds like some of us, doesn't it? But these things don't matter at all because once you are real, you can't be ugly except to people who don't understand. And that was the skin horse's talk on becoming real to the little rabbit. And what I'm trying to say is that I believe for the past six years as a group of Christ followers, we are becoming what a lot of outsiders have been longing for and seeking. We've been getting the focus off ourselves and Jesus is making us real. His love is changing us. And that in turn fosters transformation in others around us. That's what's going on in your church. That's defying the statistics and the trends of our country. I want you to listen to this video. I want you to just not listen to my voice, but I want you to listen to the voice of others from your church. My church is a community, not a building. My church is a place where all people matter to God. Practices um, God's great goodness, His compassion, His mercy, His forgiveness, and His love. My church is a family when I'm far from family. It is a place where I can share my struggles knowing that I'm covered by grace. My church is a community where I truly see and feel God at work. My church is an accepting place where I can feel at home. My church is one body serving a community for His kingdom. My church is a place where you won't get bored. My church is a place where my children are valued. My church is a place where people come together and worship God. 
my church is a place where we have lots of fun skits and songs we can learn about Jesus. My church is love, relationships, and worship. The fellowship is amazing. My church is a family where I can be myself. My church is off the easy. My church is creative and inspirational. My church is a place where we value the Christian scriptures and we are committed to teach them with gentleness and relevance. My church is Christ-centered and service-driven. My church loves this city for Jesus' sake. My church is fun and it's where I can learn about Christianity and be with godly people. Thank you for letting me be myself. My church is a place where you can be yourself and do your thing when you worship. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. Look, we, we haven't arrived. I'm not saying that we're all that. But I think that we are becoming what a lot of people in this city are looking for. And we are expressing the Christian faith in a way that is influential and that makes sense to people because we've taken time to understand and listen to people. And I want us to continue doing that. Continue listening to the people who are not yet a part of this body. We need to listen to the people around us. Because of Christ's love, He increases our capacity to love. We recognize that, that Jesus cares for the outsider and wants them on the inside. It's true. There are others who recognize what we've been doing here as a church, and they want to help us reach, connect, and love more people into his kingdom. An organization called uh, Smoky Mountain Men's Christian Fellowship, who originally helped start Highland six years ago, is giving us uh, $60,000 to help reach people in a specific way in this city. With that gift, we are going to be starting a third large gathering in a location like this, in the Montford area. We are still going to have two gatherings at the Orange Peel, but we will be recruiting a team of 30 to 40 Highlanders who will help launch a third gathering meeting at 10 a.m. on Sundays. We will take some of that gift that we're going to be given to send invitations to 30,000 people in Asheville. Usually that means around 300 people will respond and take us up on that invitation. And 125 to 150 people, new faces, will, will be saying, you know what, I think I'll stick around to be a part of this. So those 30 to 40 Highlanders will have an important role among those 100 new faces, instilling the DNA of Highland, living out our mission and our values among them. We will be one church, with two locations, sharing the same staff, the same resources. The same teacher that you see at the Orange Peel 
will be at the new third gathering. Pastor Jason is going to be leading the, sec- the, the team at this second campus. Miles Hutchinson is going to be leading uh, the worship with a new band. Becca Brown is going to be leading the kids moment and the nursery team. And we are in the process of looking for a new staff member, an administrator to help with the management of the two campuses and the continued pursuit of the community center. We're targeting February 5th as the launch of this third gathering, this second campus. So there are a lot of preparations to be ready to welcome 100 new faces to changing life as we know it. There is a lot of spiritual preparations for this launch team. And there are a lot of logistical preparations, nursery supplies, more kids packs, lighting, sound system, chairs, coffee makers, all really just simple things that make things more hospitable to someone who might be really nervous about coming to a church gathering. Our budget for the second campus is 84,000, which 60,000 is being given to us by those who believe we can do this to reach some of those nomads and those exiles and those prodigals in our city. On November 20th, I want to ask you Highlanders if you would help make up the remaining 24,000 we need to give this second campus the best start it can have. Some of the costs can be reduced by your giving or, or purchasing a specific item that we need. We've already had one Highlander who's contributing to reducing our printing costs by nearly 18, nearly by $8,000. But I would like you to ask you to pray God would help us in the whole settling on the location for this third gathering, where it's going to be. Could be a place like this. Maybe not. I would like you to pray and ask God if you are to be one of those 40 people of that launch team that will help welcome outsiders into the love, loyalty, and friendship of Jesus Christ. And if you are a seasoned Christ follower, I'd like to pray and talk with you about the idea of becoming a gel leader to help provide more of the small gatherings we need for these folks. Ben, you can come on up here right now. Most of you will just need you to commit to continue being a presence at our 9 and 11 o'clock gatherings at the Orange Peel. Regardless, regardless of maybe how God leads you, I want a good number of you to consider when you're going to start saying, this is my church. I think it's time for some of you to make make up your mind about that. Is it your church or not? Is this where you're going to connect? Is this the place where you're going to become real with us and help other people become real? I want to invite you to be a part. I think we're doing an amazing thing here. I'd love for you to be a part of it and what's happening. It's going to be exciting. 
So, I'm just going to pray and let you kind of digest all that news. We're going to be talking more about it in the next few Sundays as we again look at what the church is doing to connect with two lost generations and what Highland specifically is doing. Would you just pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, help us to know what you want, to desire the things that you desire, to love what you love, to weep over what you weep over, to hate what you hate, to take hold of the things that you want to take hold of. Lord, we, we ask that you would make us real. That you show us how to love well. And Lord, we pray that, that you would be at the center of everything. That you wouldn't be on the outside, but you'd be here on the inside, being the magnet that draws everyone. Lord, we love you. We want to honor you. And we want to have a heart like you do for those who think of themselves as outsiders but are really the ones that you're calling out to. Lord, help us to join your voice in calling out. We want to be your hands and feet. In Jesus' name, amen.